Happy Monday, everybody. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. We are live here at Soundcast FM, Brooklyn, New York. Beautiful day outside. I mean, this is the weather. I'm loving it right now. Everybody in the New York City area. Crazy. You know, it's funny. I can't even say it was like a crazy sports weekend because you had the playoffs going on in the NHL and in the uh, NBA. But the biggest thing, it seems like everything has just come to a head in the NFL this morning. I mean, is there really an NFL offseason? Can we can we really, like, describe this? Because I'm starting to have my doubts. I, I don't really believe that there is an NFL offseason. I, I had this whole plan coming into the show to just maybe, like, you know, talk more about the New York Islanders and their first series win they defeated the Florida Panthers uh, last night in a thrilling double overtime game. John Tavares, huge, huge, the, the uh, Islanders captain. You know, I thought I was going to make a big thing with that or even possibly start off with uh, Steph Curry spraining his MCL in a nasty, nasty slip that he had at the end of the first half in their win against the Houston Rockets. You know, I thought those were good places to start. But I wake up this morning and I have I'm thrown with a couple of things, you know. Besides the Johnny Manziel, we, we kind of knew Johnny Manziel was gonna get in trouble anyway. Let's be honest, it's not brand new news. We had a whole show discussing Johnny Manziel's problems. But no, this this morning we're hit with Sam Bradford demanding a trade. Not really surprised by this. Because when you make a deal like the Eagles did last week, trading with the Cleveland Browns to get that number two pick, that's all indication that they want a quarterback. They want either Goff or they want Wentz. I just find it very, 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 it's, it's overkill. You're bringing in, you know, a rookie quarterback, and I harped on this before about these are not really like these standout top flight quarterbacks. This isn't the Andrew Lux or the uh, the Cam Newtons of the world coming out this year. You got some decent talent that could possibly evolve into a decent quarterback, but not these standout can't miss prospects. So obviously, if you're uh, a guy like Sam Bradford, who has this huge contract that you just got from the Eagles... You're thinking you're a starting quarterback, especially with Mark Sanchez's dealt to Denver. You see, they make the deal. They bring in, uh, they, they bring in Chase Daniel. You thought, okay, you know, there's a guy's going to battle with me for the for the position, but I get it. You need to have a competent backup just in case. A guy who could push me, and he will definitely push. But when you see the, the deal being made and that there's a good chance you may not even make this th- – the starting three quarterbacks, it's its ridiculous what's going on in Philly. But like I said, that's not even a top story. Not at all. Not even, it's a log shot for being the top story. The top story on everybody's mind is uh, Tom Brady and Deflagley. Defla- uh, I can't even say it. I get so tired of saying it that I can't say it right. Deflagger. I just go Deflagger. Deflagate. I hate it. I hate it. I said it so much last year that I became tongue-tied. Deflategate, deflategate. That's all we say. It is still here. 
two years of the Flategate. And now we have another decision regarding the Flategate. It just turns out they, re- they reversed the decision about not suspending Tom Brady. Remember, that was the whole deal last season. But guess what? Now he will be suspended. Four games. First four games of the year, Tom Brady suspended because of what? The Flategate. Roger Goodell got his man. They reinstated it. The U.S. Appeals Court reinstated the uh, suspension. It's, it is just insanity with this. I'm not, look, let's be honest with you. I'm not a big Tom Brady supporter. But come on. We're still talking about this? Doctored football. We're talking about footballs here. I mean, it's gotten to the point where I don't know if Goodell really just sits around and says, you know, I'm going to find a way to make this work. Talk to the U.S. Appeals Court, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how. I don't know how. Okay. It's it's just gotten so ridiculous over time. And it was a 33-page decision. The second, you know, circuit court's decision is boiled out to the statements of the fact that the commissioner has exercised his broad discretion under the collective bargaining agreement, so that makes it okay, and able to, uh, to throw out the suspension. It's just, it's, it's incredible how we can, you know, really just sit here and and just hear like what is going on um like i said i'm still getting information on it we're going to have like a nice little breakdown in terms of what happened what the nfl is saying i'm going to have some stuff when to try to get some info and some sound from nfl network they're going to at least give us more description of what happened in regard to this decision because like i said we thought we were over with it. We thought it was done. We didn't have to think about the whole, you know, prospect of Tom Brady being suspended again. I guess my next question is, what does this do for the Patriots? Do they get a quarterback now for four games or do they stay with Garoppolo? So many questions going into this, but uh, I'm going to look at the uh, four games that they have coming up. And we're going to just see, you know, we're going to hear from different people, like I said, in regards to it. I'm trying to get sound from different uh, NFL reporters. But it's, it's to me, it's, it's one of those things where I have to admit, they're, they were just going, they wanted Tom Brady from the, from the beginning. This was a witch hunt from the beginning. You're telling me almost two years later, we're still having this discussion. Deflate gate, deflate gate, deflate gate. That's what you're going to hear for the next month now. I'm just really thinking about it, but hey. The other news, and like I said, guess what? Guess where the other news comes from? It comes from the NFL. Comes from the NFL. Josh Norman signs with the Washington Redskins. Because the uh, Carolina Panthers, as I reported last week, pulled their franchise tag from them. They pulled their offer. They said, you're not that good. So, and I feel like in a desperate 
desperate move right here. The uh, Washington Redskins decided to make the deal and pick up Josh Norman. And I, I don't know. A lot of people are saying that Norman's going to make the defense tougher. I, I'm still not sold on the guy. Granted, I'm team. You know, I'm going to be team Beckham. I'm team Giants. But for the price, they gave a max contract. Last year was the first time I've ever heard of Josh Norman. Let's put that in perspective. Does he deserve a max contract? A max contract? I'm not really sure. I think it's a bit of an overkill. I think it's just full desperation and for the uh, Washington Redskins. They want to make sure they have a player that has the ability to be a number one corner. I just don't think he is a number one corner at this point. It's going to be funny. I, I feel like you put in a guy, and now they're talking about the whole matching up with uh, with Beckham twice a year. And you know everybody's pretty well versed on how that turned out last year with Beckham against the Panthers and the uh, little wrestling match they had in that Week 15 matchup. Having those two go at each other twice a year is going to be entertaining. It's going to be great promotion. Like, it's it's straight something out of WWE, I'm telling you. It will just be one of those things that we're going to have to wait and see. All the talk and, you know, everybody's like, oh, maybe Beckham subtweeting him saying that some people just got desperate or whatever. At this point, let them play. Let's see what they got. I'm still just in shock at the fact that they would give him that much money. I'm talking over 70 million. Like, that's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy I'm not a Redskins fan to even feel the effects of that. That's just wow. NFL draft is this Thursday. Already. Three days away from the NFL draft. So much can change. So many, so much has happened. But like I said, there is no offseason for the NFL. No way. Nowhere near an offseason. We also got some other notes. Like I said, the uh, NBA. Steph Curry with the MCL situation. We don't know what's going to happen in regards to that. We're still waiting for the MRI. My guess is that he's out for the rest of the series. They're up 3-1 against Houston. Houston just fell apart. That team is a mess. Just a complete mess. I mean, you're talking about guys just not being enthusiastic after a game-winning shot after Game 3 with James with James Harden. Uninterested, they played. Uninspired basketball, they played in that second half. Knowing that Curry's not going to be there, they still struggled. The Warriors had a NBA record 21 three-pointers. In this game. A record that was just broken a week ago by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they did all of this basically without Steph Curry. I mean, if you're every other team in the West, yes, you kind of say, okay, if Steph's not there, you like our chances a little bit better. But if this team is still shooting and hitting shots the way they were, it's not really much of a difference. But I can tell you this, they got to have him ready for week t- for uh, the second series. It's just no way you're going into whether it's L.A. And I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be the Clippers. And you're, you're matching up with Chris Paul with Sean Livingston. You're just not doing it. 
That's a massacre. It's a massacre waiting to happen, and I'm really not... I would be looking forward to that if I'm a Warrior fan. I would try to hope and pray that Steph Curry's knee is magically healed because he's they're going to be in for a day. There's already two teams that don't like each other, and I see that coming up too. That's going to be a fun series to watch. Don't get me wrong. That's going to be fun. Oh, every series in the second round is going to be so much fun. It ain't going to be like the uh, the first round where you pretty much knew what you were getting with the the Grizzlies getting swept by the, the Spurs. And for the most part, I thought Detroit was a very game uh, eighth seed. They had their best shot at game one. Didn't get the job done. They got swept. But I do like what they're doing in Detroit. I think Stan Van Gundy's done a heck of a job. Heck of a job. They really have a team growing there. Definitely, like I said, a lot lot to talk about. And as always, as always on the show, we're taking your calls, 516-900-2278, at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter. Also, if you haven't noticed, if you want to catch up with the show and uh, listen to some past episodes, go to sportssocialpod.com. Once again, that's sportssocialpod.com. So what we're going to do is uh, step aside. Take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Fat Easton. Once again, call me up because I definitely want to talk more about this Tom Brady situation. I have plenty more to say, as well as some clips from the last time he talked about it, which everybody knows was very memorable for the word ball. And not, well, get your mind out of the gutter, people. We'll be right back. Under, please don't you 
we're back. Sports Social here with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Little guy I like. Throwback right there. Now, once again, I'm still stuck with this whole Tom Brady situation. Just like the rest of the world is because it won't go away. It just will not go away. And also, just some quick breaking news that I got. Because I get random breaking news, but this is what it is. It's a live show. This is actually WWE-related. John Cena announced his return to Raw on Memorial Day. So for anybody out there that's listening, John Cena is back on Memorial Day. For those John Cena fans out there. Now, back to the NFL. That's pretty much what the NFL is telling you when it comes to any other sport. Back to us. Tom Brady, four-game suspension. Now, like I said, there was this huge press conference not too long ago. In regards to it. And in this press conference, it basically, you know, he breaks down how he feels about the footballs and everything. And I, I got a cut up version of it. There's it's a full 30 minute long press conference he had back in January of 2015, right before they were going to the Super Bowl. A first time he addressed the whole deflate gate controversy. I got this clip. That's basically his breakdown of it, but it's not the full 30 minutes of it. And he does say the word, you know, balls a lot and how he he's very descriptive about how he handles the uh, footballs once he's ready to play. So, um, like I said, going to just take a little trip down memory lane. And we remember what happened in regards to Tom Brady and his footballs. Everybody has a preference. Some guys like them round, and some guys like them thin. Some guys like them uh, tacky. Some guys like them brand new. Some guys like old balls. I mean, they're all different, and it's leather, and it's all, you know, every batch comes. It's they're different, so you got to feel them, and you try to go out and you try to use the ones that you like the best. Our equipment guys do a great job of breaking the balls in. Um, you know, they have the process that they go through. Um, when I pick those balls out, um, at that point. You know, to me, they're perfect. Uh, I don't want anyone touching the balls after that. I don't want anyone rubbing them, uh, you know, putting any air in them, taking the air out. To me, those balls are perfect, and that's what I expect when I show up on the field. With respect to the balls and that there was obviously an issue with the balls. I don't think anybody knew there was an issue with the balls. I think they said the balls are not uh, ready for play, and then I turned around in the huddle, and the ball was ready for play. Some days one ball may feel good, the next day it may not. It depends on maybe how, I don't know, the humidity in the air or the whether how old the ball was or, you know, I think there's a lot of variables with obviously Mother Nature and with with the balls. So, you know, whatever feels good that day, those are the ones that I would typically choose. So those are the same ones that maybe Bill squirts a little water on where you're not looking at in practice? Yeah, he does that a lot, but, I, you know, um, it could be, yeah. You know, it definitely could be. When I get the snap, I drop back, I throw the ball. You know, I grip it, and, and I try to throw the ball. That's the extent of the, uh, you know, me touching the football. So I don't sit there and, you know, try to squeeze it and determine that. If that's what uh, the Colts want to do, then that's what they want to do. And I'm not squeezing the balls. I'm not, you know, I don't, that's not part of my process. I, I grab it. I feel the lace. I feel the leather. Um, I feel the tack on the ball. You know, that's really what you go for. It's not like a, uh, it's not like I'd ever squeeze the football. I just grip the football. I think there's maybe a little bit of a difference in, 
you know, how I how I do that. <clears throat> what situation, what process would that be? The of us breaking of our own balls? balls and, and making sure the balls are the proper weight throughout the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. If they want to do that, I have no problem with that. I certainly wouldn't want them to take away us uh, breaking the balls in. You know, that would. I think that's a great thing for all the quarterbacks to have. They also know that how I like the balls, and I tell them how great they are before the game, um, and how you know, perfect job, great job. Um, so they, you know, they know how I like it, and that's you know exactly the way they are. Tom, thanks, guys. I think they said that's it about ten minutes ago. So <laughs> thank you, guys. Bye. That was Tom Brady's infamous uh, ball rant. This was back from January 2015. I just had the uh, the version that was uh, just cut up and got right to the point. Like I said, that's the full 30-minute interview somewhere. You can check it on YouTube. But, man, Tom Brady. And you know what? Let's, let's really look at this in terms of the football sense because that's what people, you know, tune in for these things. They want to know what's going on. We're going to go into what exactly the uh, ruling was for today. And this is actually taken from the... This is taking from the uh, NFL Network because the NFL Network just honestly, you know, they, they broke the news. They, they wanted to pretty much gave us the uh, breakdown of what was going on in regards to the situation. But uh, like I said, it's still. It's still very fresh. And this is actually from uh, Judy Batista from the uh, NFL Network. She gave her thoughts on it. I want to actually pull that sound up in a minute. It's just, it's funny because when a situa- situation like this happens, you have to, um, you got to think that it's, it's, it has to be a focus on him. I just, I've never heard of, first it was, you know, thrown out, now it's reinstated. And uh, this is what they had to say via the uh, NFL network. To the news out of the Court of Appeals? Well, I'm not surprised at all, and I don't think uh, anybody who was in the courtroom for the hearing in early March could be surprised. This was clearly the way they were going, uh, not just from the questions that were directed at Tom Brady's attorney, Jeffrey Kessler, but the tone of the questions, some of the comments the three judge panel made. Uh, again, the judge said, you know, the evidence was compelling, if not overwhelming. They were very aggressive in their questioning of Jeffrey Kessler on the facts of the case. They they clearly indicated they had some concerns about Tom Brady's credibility here. So I don't think this decision is a surprise to anybody. Um, now we've got the four-game suspension uh, reinstated. You know, there's still a ways to go here. He still has some appeal possibilities to play out, and surely they'll seek a stay uh, while they seek these appeals. Uh, the appeals options are narrowing for him, though. I mean, one of the options is to appeal to the full Second Circuit, they don't necessarily have to take the case, and he could also appeal to the Supreme Court, and certainly there's no guarantee. Um, I think most people would suspect that it would be a long shot that the high court would take the case, too. So um, his options are narrowing, but there's still a few plays to be played out here. And, Judy, as we look at the latest win now for the NFL, what does that mean uh, for, for the league and for Roger Goodell? 
Well, it's a pretty big win for the league. Um, they maintained all along that the reason they were appealing um, the district court's decision was they did not want a precedent um, that would allow the union to go to the courts every time they didn't like a decision on discipline that the commissioner had imposed. They said this was all about, you know, sort of preserving the powers that he was given in the collective bargaining agreement. And if you read the full decision, it's clear that this panel of judges uh, agreed very much with uh, this being power that was given to them in the CBA. And one of the lines I'm not reading verbatim, but one of the lines basically says, like, you know, if the players' union wants to, uh, you know, wanted a different uh, way of handling discipline, they could have negotiated a, a different agreement. So uh, this panel at least very much agreed with the league's contention that this is powers, these are broad powers. You can argue about whether you think they're too broad, but. These powers are clearly in the collective bargaining agreement, if you believe what these judges believe. And, Judy, is that something that, that gets lost in this, where, where people think that this is more about deflated footballs, but th this is really about the, the league and its power uh, in, in terms of, of players and discipline, right? Uh, yes. I mean, certainly I think once we got to the appeals level, it was very much more about the collective bargaining agreement and the league trying to preserve um, what they got, you know, in labor negotiations. Obviously, Tom Brady is is a big part of it, though. And if you're a Patriots fan, this is all about Tom Brady, understandably so. Um, but he is really just sort of one part of um, a much bigger fight over the league, not wanting to create a precedent where the players' union, if uh, you know, would be able to go to court if they were unhappy with a decision handed down by the commissioner on discipline. And, and Judy, we, when we first. Uh came on with this news, Ian Rappaport uh, told us that the one thing that, that he was sure of was that Brady wasn't going to quit fighting this. What, what's the potential end date uh, for, for this <laughs> appeal? And are, are we talking 2017? When, when can we hi hypothesize a possible end to the deflate game? Well, I would agree with Ian. I'd be surprised if Brady just said, okay, I give up and uh, stop fighting. Um, I, I don't know that there's uh, an end date in sight, to be frank. Um, I would suspect that they will seek a stay. Of course, you know, we've got some time to play with here. It's not like last year when we were waiting for the district court's decision and it was coming right up, you know, right the week before the regular season was starting. We've got a few months here to let this play out, you know, four months until the regular season is upon us. So uh, we've got some time, but again, you know, the courts move at their own pace. Um, I thought it was very clear which way the judges were going back, you know, in the first week of March, and here we are in the last week of April, and we just got the decision. So the courts don't operate on an NFL schedule. They, they move at their own pace. This is a very busy busy course, the Second Circuit. So um, if they're going to appeal back and, and ask for the full circuit to hear it, I mean, this could take some time to sort of work its way through the system. I don't know that we can pinpoint an end date. I, I would say that, you know, I don't think you can say with any certainty right now whether Tom Brady will be playing the first four games of the you know, season. I, the, the fact that they said reinstate the suspension to me does not necessarily mean we're not going to see Tom Brady on the field in the first four weeks of this season. Very interesting stuff right there. Once again, that was from Judy Batista. That was her uh, talk during the breaking news segment on NFL Network, courtesy of the NFL. Now, here's the thing I'm looking at in regards to from what she's saying, they're going to appeal, but there's still a chance. There is there's still a chance that he could do what he did last year and still be able to play. And it's going to be a process. Uh, it doesn't look likely, in my opinion. I think he's just going to end up having to take the suspension. The fact that the, t the fact that the league is still is still so uh, so aggressive in having this happen, it kind of lets you know that it's uh, it's this is basically what's what what they are putting out there for Tom Brady. It's 
take it or leave it. I mean, I, I can't see the I can't see there be another overturning and uh, allowing him to play. I just don't see it happening. And once again, this is just my personal opinion. We can take different things on looking at that. Um, I, I I'm still a little shocked that the ruling happened the way it did. From our perspective, I know she was talking more in the perspective of everybody that was inside the courtrooms, but let's be honest, we weren't hearing a lot about it. If you weren't a heavy, you know, a Tom Brady fan, Patriots fan, you weren't really hearing much about that. So it's it's that type of situation you have to really think about. It's it's just the different uh, aspects of the of the surprise and how the NFL wanted to handle it. So that's the situation. I mean, Tom Brady is... Suspended the first four games. Now, the first game they're supposed to play is against the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, he would he would definitely be needed for that. Uh, I'm going to look at the rest of his schedule that he will potentially be missing because of this suspension. You're talking about week week one is supposed to be the NBC game at the Cardinals, which is now going to look like Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback for, for that. Then the next week, you're going to be home for the Dolphins. Then uh, September 22nd is uh, against the Texans. That is a NFL Network game. And on the uh, week four, which would be the last day of his suspension, would be against the Bills. Now be a home game on uh, CBS October 2nd. So you're talking about missing the game between the Cardinals, Dolphins, Texans, and Bills. The team is still good enough to go 2-2. Two and 2-2, two. Uh, two and 3-1. Two, and one. I think the Cardinals game is probably a loss, you know, just considering what we're basing off of what they did last year. Uh, the Dolphins, Texans, and Bills are very beatable, so I, I could see that CB at three and one start, maybe even two and two. You never know with the Bills sometimes, or even the Dolphins. So I, I feel like Tom Brady is going to affect him no matter what. Uh, just a uh, like I said, it's a, it's a tough situation if you are a fan, if you're just a fan of the uh, New England Patriots or of Tom Brady. Just everything that is going on is going to affect his legacy. Let's let's be clear. I mean. As much as we say he's a great quarterback, he doesn't have to think about that stuff, this affects his legacy tremendously. The guy, you know, prided himself on being a prepared quarterback, going out there, getting the job done. I I don't know. I, I'm not counting him out. I feel like he has a lot left in terms of uh, trying to change people's opinions of him. But when you're approaching the age that he's approaching, and it's it's just it's it doesn't look good for anybody, let's be honest. Even though the NFL won a decision this time around, it doesn't help them in the long run. It, no one wins in this situation. Tom Brady, Roger Goodell, the NFL, the fans, everybody loses here. You know, it's, uh, first four games without Tom Brady. I mean, it's interesting. Very, very interesting. And we hope that there is some more information that will come out. And uh, I would love to hear the uh, owner, Robert Kraft, I would love to hear his side of it because I'm pretty sure he has a lot of harsh words. But, you know, when I say harsh words, I mean he's going to say it in a very constructive, harsh way. But uh, it should be it should be one of those moments where you're going to have to um, see what you got as the back of quarterback position. Is Garoppolo the guy or not? And uh, that's, that's what a lot of people are going to try to figure out. I mean, let's put it in perspective. But, you know, we should see. We should definitely see. Once again, taking your calls, 516-900-2278. And uh, just, just a little reminder for everybody, check us out, sportssocialpod.com. 
com for more information on the show. Just to get uh, any type of um, just any type of uh, feedback or anything like that, we're gonna start posting some little uh, just some little updates and stuff so that people can uh, get used to what's going on. And like we have a caller on the line. Okay, caller, you're on the line. Who's this? This is Claude. Oh. I'm calling on this whole Patriots fiasco. Look, I heard you say something. And, and, and quite frankly, I just disagree. I don't see how the Patriots come out of here 500 or 3-1. and one. It's just it's impossible. Um, they're going up against, although they're not the, uh, the best teams in the AFC, they're going up against two in-division rivals with the Bills and the, the Dolphins. Um, these are two teams that have completely, you know, the, the Bills, they underperformed last year. I'll be, I'll be honest about that. But their defense is, 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 is one of the better defenses in the league. The Dolphins are a team that is a complete wild card. I can't see these Patriots leaving 2-2. Two and two. It, it, it won't happen, not with a young Jimmy Garoppolo, not with a terrible offensive line, terrible wide receivers. Their only receiving threats are Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett now. And... Even Martellus Bennett wasn't a great receiver for the Chicago Bears. So, what do we have? I mean, even their defense has questions because they just traded away Chandler Jones. It is, it, is, it is almost impossible for what is the weakest team we've seen in at least a decade for the Patriots to put on the field to go 3-1 and one or 2-2 two and two out of this whole session. Really? Now, here's, now here's the way I look at it. It's... You're talking about the teams they're playing, and I understand you're a Jets fan. I, I get that, but you got to look at the look at who they're actually playing in the first four weeks. I mean, the Cardinals game, I consider that to be a loss right there. But uh, you go against the Dolphins, the Texans, the Bills. These teams are not really like blow you know blow you out teams. I mean, let's be honest here. That's not true. That's not true. The Texans made the playoffs last year. It, it, it Texans made the have play- a top five. Texans have a top five defense, and they got arguably the best defensive player in the league in JJ Watt. They have a top five receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. They have a person who they just paid in Brock Osweiler to throw him the ball. They have a young wide receiver in um, whatever that kid's name that really didn't really pan out last year, but he's lost 20 pounds um, this offseason to come back stronger. They're a strong team. That's a team that could beat the Patriots, especially a Patriots team that has no offensive line, that has no, no edge rusher, that has no corners on the outside, and no wide receivers. You know what? I hear what you're saying, and I, and I totally get that. But at the same time, this is a team that has they've, – they've proven in the past that they can find and make adjustments. So I'm not really too it's, concerned. We don't know what we got at Garoppolo. You're really writing him off right away. You've got to make it sound like the guy doesn't have what it takes. I think he's a decent backup Look, quarterback. I'm not, I'm not making it seem like he's he, – it's not that he doesn't have what it takes. The fact of the matter is, for a young QB to have to go through that four-game stretch, it's a huge adjustment period. And you're asking for him to do it with what is the most questionable offensive line the Patriots will put on the field to date. All right? And that's the problem. You know, he, he has to deal with not having the options – that other young QBs had. This isn't, you know, Tom Brady out there who can make any receiver great. This is a young man who doesn't have a number one target, except for Rob Gronkowski. Now, 
and you're looking at teams that could cover Gronkowski with their safeties, with linebackers as well. So I don't really see how he's going to be able to be an efficient young quarterback for the first four games of the season behind that offensive line and with the options that he has. Look, I hear what you're saying. I, I definitely agree with in terms of the offensive line having his issues, but I'm one of those guys where I do believe in the power of Bill Belichick. I think the guy is great at making adjustments, and I feel like he has a plan in regards to this. But, uh, you know, we, like I said, the draft is this Thursday, so there's going to be a lot of things that may happen in terms of the Patriots being more active now because of his decision. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the Patriots do in the draft. But quite frankly, I don't see them picking up an uh, impact player that late in the draft and, and him being able to pan out immediately. Now, that's also no one knows who they're going to pick. Maybe they move up, but we – what they have right now, for us to say that this is a 3-1 and one team with the first four games without their, their captain, the leader of that ship, that's tough. And, you know, people could look back and say, oh, well, you know, they did it with Matt Castle. That was a completely different circumstance. That was a team that was just coming off of a Super Bowl. That was a team that was built and ready to win right then and there. This team needs a little bit more fine-tuning before they're able to go with any quarterback and and without having those options there i don't see how they're going to do it and that's all i had to say go jets 2016 super bowl we're on our way all right claude thank you very much man for calling in no problem all right he's definitely a uh, jets fan there gave a lot of opinion and you know what's funny he brought up the fact that yes they have a struggling offensive line and this is talking about the patriots mind you and they may not be they may, they may not be the same team they were in terms of the other pieces around them. They don't have the great wide receivers. They don't have the uh, the great running backs. And they've kind of relied on you know Tom Brady basically making things happen. And Gronk, you forget they got Gronk. I mean that guy right there is worth a lot half probably half of uh, most of these teams in the NFL. So I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be watching closely along with as long as along with the rest of the world. It's just that. You have to get. You have to be patient. I look at the situation with uh, Brady went down in Week One of the season. I think this was uh, a couple of years ago when Matt Castle took over and, and made Matt Castle a name. They won eleven games that year. They missed the playoffs, but they won eleven games. So I'm not too quick to write them off, and I don't think anyone else should be as well. This is a this is a veteran team. They uh, know how to win games, and uh, like I said, I, have, I think they have the best coach for this type of situation. So I, I can't write off Tom Brady and the, the Patriots because of, of the first four games. I'm more worried about his legacy. I think that's the bigger story. But like I said, that's just my opinion. But uh, we'll still continue to take some more calls, 516-900-2278. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
Back Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. And like I said, we're talking about Tom Brady and his suspension. What it means for the Patriots. What does it mean for Tom Brady's whole image in itself? Because let's be honest, there's a lot of uh, question marks in regards to what's going to happen with Mr. Mr. Brady. And, you know, no matter how many rings he's won, he's going to have his confusion. I mean... This is a big controversy. It, for have this to have this happen at the end of your career, and just to let you know how important it is to not have this kind of cloud hanging over your head. Let's think about what was going on with, you know, the entire uh, Peyton Manning debacle that could have happened. I mean, he fought that. Tom Brady. I mean, I'm sorry, Peyton Manning fought that whole thing about him taking performance-enhancing drugs almost immediately. That rumor he did not want near his name at all. And I mean, can you blame him? It's it's such a bad, you know, a bad thing to have on his uh just to have on your your uh your uh, your name. I mean, you can't go into a situation with that being on your name, I mean that's that's rough. That's that goes to your Hall of Fame credentials. That goes into your just your entire legacy, which yes means a big deal. So it's it's gonna be uh, like I said, it's still a lot more to go with that. Um, I'm still looking at the fact that you know Robert Kraft, the owner of the uh, Patriots 
you know, he decided he didn't want to appeal the uh, the decision last time when they had we had this whole conversation in regards to the Flaygate. And this was back in uh, back in May. Now, I'm really not sure if he's going to have that same mentality. You know, I'm really I'm really curious to see if he's going to still feel the same way this time around. And I'm saying this now because I do want to cue up what he's uh how he felt in regards to the allegations last time. So you guys could uh, take a quick listen. This is from when the first go around of uh, allegations were going in regards to the deflate gate. And this is what Patriots owner Robert Kraft had to say regarding it. The ongoing rhetoric continues to galvanize both camps. And I don't see that changing and they will never agree. But the one thing that we all can agree upon is the entire process has taken way too long. There was no hard evidence and everything was circumstantial. And at the same time, when the discipline came out, I felt it was way over the top as it was unreasonable and unprecedented in my opinion. You know what I've learned over the last two decades is at the heart of soul and of the strength of the NFL that it's a partnership of 32 teams. And what's become very clear over those two decades, that at no time should, should the agenda of one team outweigh the collective good of the full 32. So in that spirit, I don't want to continue the rhetoric that's gone on for the last four months, I'm going to accept reluctantly what he has given to us and not continue this dialogue and rhetoric. And we won't appeal. My desire is truly not to continue the rhetoric. And so I'm going to leave this discussion exactly here. Thank you very much. So that was... Uh that was Kraft back uh, when they, the first round of uh, allegations were coming across. This is back in 2015. Now, I don't know what his name or how he's going to feel regarding this. And I'm, I'm telling you, the truth, I can't wait. Cannot wait to hear this because of all the talk going on regarding the flake gate. And, you know, just this decision has to change so much so much he has to change and we're going to see what's going to happen there's going to be plenty of opinions on it I think I think once again like I said I kind of agree with Kraft I feel like it is a little bit much uh, and I understand some teams may feel differently because of the history and there has been a huge history in regards to what's been going on with the um with the teams and with the the different uh you know allegations that oh well they had Spygate or they had this or they had that. I get that. You know, I get that. That's that's a huge deal. 
Huge deal. But in regards to what the future of the league holds and how they're going to govern players, there's still such a uh, there's still such a question mark. Such a huge question mark right there. But I'm going to leave it. I'm leave it alone because I feel like we've beaten this uh, we've beaten this horse to exhaustion already this hour. And uh, just to give a little tease for what we're going to be talking about the next hour, we're actually going to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, we'll talk about that. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Islander fans are excited right now. As they should be. Huge double overtime win. We're going to be discussing that. And uh, just on a nice little pop culture note, I don't know if anybody here caught the uh, the recent release from Beyonce. She released her new album, Lemonade, right after premiering her whole video. It's like a huge, she had a huge video montage that had to be about an hour and five minutes long or an hour long on uh, HBO. And the visuals were, I, I think, were great. Uh, I mean, it was some groundbreaking stuff that she did. Uh, some of the songs I felt like were really good. Uh, I just felt like the visuals were, were very, uh, very different from what she's usually put out there. So uh, I do, I do uh, appreciate her expanding as an artist. Now, we could all get into the, you know, who's the Becky and all of that. And if Jay-Z really cheated and everything, that's for a whole nother discussion. Just saying. You know, I'm not going to kill that one either. I don't know what's going on, but I just found it interesting that uh, Rachel Roy or Rachel Ray and people confused. They didn't know if it was Rachel Ray or Rachel Roy. And then Rachel Roy put up a post that kind of made it look stupid. And did she put up an Instagram? Uh, she blocked everybody on Instagram for a minute. And was tweeting saying that she is not a homewrecker and all of this. Now they're saying it's Rita Ora. Nobody knows. All I know is Beyonce just put out there. She's put it into the air. You know, and I don't know. Like I said, it's a very touchy subject in regards to that. But uh, I got to admit something when I saw the video. That's the first. It was such a different feel to it. Especially the one where the scene where you see Jay-Z in there, he looked extremely vulnerable throughout the whole experience, which is very different from what the Jay-Z that I think I remember growing up listening to and watching, and I, I believe a whole bunch of other people have. So I don't know. But I do know is if there was a situation in regards to a, you know, a cheating ex or whatever type of bad situation and you wanted to hear some soulful music, this was, uh, I think, a go-to for a lot of people some years ago and maybe even now. Just saying. This is Sports Social Ed Easter. We'll be right back. What? 
And we're back, Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. And you know what? Like I said, crazy, crazy game last night. If you were watching the uh, New York Islanders take on the Florida Panthers going into double overtime, great stuff. I mean, both teams played hard, just a fun series. The Islanders, once again, the whole history haven't been to the second round since 1993. 1993, that's a long time. This is the first playoff series they've ever had in Brooklyn, first year in Brooklyn. And already they're making memories. And last night was uh, honestly just amazing. Just an amazing night last night. You definitely have to take a listen to this. Sent a hit, kicked up by Opozo. Tavares, pad stop Luongo. Tavares now scores! John Tavares! And the 23 year is over! If you're lucky enough to draft a cornerstone player, you hope to get into a position where you can see his true brilliance. What a spectacular effort from John Tavares! I mean, that was just a huge goal. John Tavares tying, first tying it with 30 seconds to go in the uh, in regulation. They were down one nothing in the game. Then in double overtime, getting the wraparound goal to uh, to seal it. And the Islanders uh, finally exercising the demons. 23-year wait. 23 years in order to, to have that happen. Great night for especially the Islander fans out there. Ranger fans, uh, like myself, did not do too well as they were eliminated this past Saturday. Just did not have it against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh overpowered the Rangers. A lot of mistakes. Lundquist did not look good at all. Just a tough time, but um, just looking at what they did in that matchup, the uh, Islanders, for example, just a gritty play, good team play. Uh, Their goalie grease was, was amazing. Just an amazing job, especially those last two games and going in both games double overtime. Just great stuff, and that's what they, uh, that's what the Islander faithful needed. You could tell they definitely appreciated it. It was uh, something they just they had to have happen. They had to have their moment, and it was a uh, it was a uh, it was just a great moment for them. So, just a huge huge night for everybody that's an Islanders fan, and uh, you know what? Like I said, the the Barclays Center does not have the mystique of the Nassau Coliseum, if you want to call it that, because it's uh, it's it's different. You know, it's not the same type of. It's not really meant, in my opinion, for hockey. But it was a uh, it was definitely a, a just a, a great moment, and the crowd was insane. The crowd was just insane for that, and like I said, it was a great moment for all for all those involved in the. Uh, the uh, Brooklyn Island, well, not Brooklyn. I mean, we already took them, and they're in Brooklyn anyway. But the New York Islanders—that's the official name. Just a uh, excellent job, excellent job all the way around. But we looked ahead now to uh, the matchups for today, because there are quite a few, and what I mean, quite a few—only two. In terms of first round matchups, you got game seven. Game seven between the St. Louis Blues and those Chicago Blackhawks, the defending champions. 
That's happening tonight. That's the uh, nightcap at 8.30. Uh, 8 o'clock, we got Anaheim and Nashville. That's game six. Anaheim is up three games to two, trying to put that game out if it's pretty much ended end everything for them. So, And then from there on, we're going to figure out what the rest of the what the rest of the games are going to be because we right now just don't have anything yet set in stone. So we'll see. I do think, however, Anaheim will handle business today, and I think Chicago wins this, this do-or-die game seven. Patrick Kane has really uh, come along. He hit that game, that huge game winner in their last game, and uh, this team just plays well with their back against the, uh, against the ropes, so I really like it. One uh, of the matchups, like I said, with the Islanders, they'll be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the uh, second round. So we're going to see how that one goes. But uh, very exciting uh, NHL playoffs so far for everyone that has been uh, tuning in. I do hope, like once again with the Rangers and then going back to their situation, there is more emphasis on defense because a lot of times, yes, you can go and say like Lundqvist let the team down, but it was like it was one of it's the first year where you, he didn't stop everything. You know, there wasn't enough defense around him. He was kind of left out there to dry on so many breakaways. And it's it's really a shame. So you look at that situation. You look at his age. He's 34 years old. Getting up there. They have some pretty good goalies in the minors. I keep hearing. Just a lot of question marks. You know, you could probably go back not having McDonough really playing because of the injury. Girardi not being 100%. You could throw those things out there. But at the end of the day, it was effort. And I felt like that game, uh, that game four was just, it was disgusting. Game three, four, and five were just horrible games. Game four was obviously getting shut out, was just embarrassing in, at home, getting shut out in the garden. But those last three games were embarrassing. You're just not going to be able to, you can't do anything. when you, you can't get your fan base excited with efforts like that. So I expect changes to happen, especially with the emergence of the Islanders. You know, it's gonna that's gonna play a huge role moving forward. Without question, gonna play a huge role. And uh, just also another note, because the Panthers were eliminated, that means uh, no, that means forty-four-year-old uh, Yarmir Yager is gonna be you know stuck with that decision. Is it is it time to call it a career? The guy led the team in scoring at forty-four years old. Apparently, he still wants to play. Yarmir Yager, you know, great player for a long time. Long time. I do want to see him continue playing. I think he has a lot left in the tank. My question is, what team takes him? Is it going to be, uh, does he come back with, with Florida again? It's possible. He's played so many one-year contracts with, it seems like, everybody that I can't really see him. You know, just uh, disappearing like that and just saying, uh, you know, I'm done. I, I just you just don't see it. That's just my personal opinion. I can't see it, though. So. But uh, we will see. But like I said, the talk is the Islanders just getting the job done. And um, John Tavares, how about that? Like the guy's the captain went through so many bad years with this team. 
It sounds the story sounds so much similar to uh, a certain other team that plays baseball that plays in Queens. Their stories are, are so similar. I mean, you talk about Tavares is kind of like what Wright is to the Mets. He's finally get a chance to win, and uh, he shared his thoughts after the uh, victory. The hero of the series. John, what was more incredible, the last-minute goal or the overtime goal? I don't know. It seemed like we saved it for uh, the second half of the third and overtime. We seemed to find our legs and jump, and, you know, I just tried to get lost, and puck came kind of through to me, and it's funny how it works sometimes. When you're sitting in the locker room between the overtimes, are you thinking at all, I got a chance, it can be me? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, you think about their situation, how hard they work to get that opportunity, and... You know, we fought right to the end to tie it up. We knew we had some momentum. We got the crowd going. Just wanted to feed off it and, and give these fans a series win. This is pretty incredible. Great to luck to you in the second round. Thank you. That was John Tavares talking at the end of the game. The hero of that playoff series, not just the game. The guy was incredible. So, uh, like I said, congratulations to all the Islander fans out there. It's weird to say the Islanders are. It's kind of like it's, it's such a weird time now. You, you had the Mets winning. Now the Islanders are winning. I, are the Knicks next? Could this be the time? Am I just talking right now? Is this could this could this be the time that the Knicks also make that transition into winning? Because I I would love for that to happen. Just just throwing it out there. I don't know. You know we we can we could all hope and dream for such a thing, but reality is always uh reality is always a thing. But uh, we should see. We'll definitely see regards to that. Once again, taking calls, 516-900-2278. And once again, that's 516-900-2278. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton. We'll be right back.
that's me. It's tricky to rock a rap, to rock a rap. That's right on time. It's tricky. Oh, it's that tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock a rap, to rock a rap. That's right on time. It's tricky. Sports Social with Eddie Easton. Once again, 516-900-2278. Taking your phone calls. We're talking right now. The NBA playoffs, like I said, well underway. So many different things going on. And obviously the biggest uh, story in the NBA is what's going to happen with Steph Curry. I'm still just looking around trying to see if there's any information that's come through yet. So far, we don't know. Uh, but I can't, I can't set, I actually talk about this, uh, Byron Scott, shocker. He was fired after two seasons after sporting two of the worst records in L.A. Lakers history. So that shouldn't be too much of a surprise for people. But I know some people are like, wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, he kind of deserved it. But uh, Byron Scott, I don't know if he's another guy that's going to get a head coaching, job, head, head coaching job somewhere else. It's still up in the air, but uh, he's out. I heard Luke Walton is a, a possible fit there. We already know about Thibodeau has taken a job in Minnesota, so he's going to be their head coach. Knicks lost out on that one. Uh, Luke Walton, I think, with the Lakers does make sense. He did, he did win championships with them. So it's kind of like Byron Scott all over again, but at the same time I feel like Luke Walton is just a new face. He's something that uh, it doesn't, he doesn't come with his own baggage. We're going to see what type of uh, coach he would be in his own right. And let's just see how strong that Steve Kerr tree is because that Steve Kerr tree could be the new thing. You never know. Apparently, Steve Kerr has become this, uh, you know, this new elite coach in the NBA. Uh, today is also Tim Duncan's 40th birthday. How about that? Happy 40th for Tim Duncan. The guy's still getting it done at that age. Um, I don't even know if he's going to announce his retirement this year. He hasn't yet to say anything. He didn't do. He should have gotten a, uh, you know, a goodbye tour, kind of like Kobe. But same thing with Kevin Garnett. I feel like those guys have just gotten forgotten in the shuffle of uh, Kobe retiring. It's, you're not going to see players like a Tim Duncan anymore or even like a Kevin Garnett. And a lot of people that are growing up now are seeing Kevin Garnett as this broken-down version of himself. The Kevin Garnett that I remember in the, the 90s, the early 2000s, the guy was a beast, man. Unbelievable. One of the best players I think I've ever seen. So that just needs to be said. Um, we had a couple of playoff series, and uh, the one of the playoff series was the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs, as expected, was going to end. But uh, let's just listen to uh, a little bit of what the Grizzlies had to say on their way out. This is basically this is basically their exit interview, if you want to say. But uh, you know what? I'm going to skip. Let me skip them for a minute because I actually do want to discuss this really quick because we had a situation regarding regarding just the you know the the lights going out <laughs> i laugh because it's like it happens i feel like every other year or every year there's something weird that delays a game and in the middle of the second quarter between the grizzlies and the spurs we had ourselves a, a good old-fashioned you know uh <laughs> blackout in the middle of a game it's it's incredible in 2016 this is really still happening but uh what else can you say I mean, I I personally thought that the job they did getting it back up was important. 
But uh, the fact that it kept happening, and then we had that awkward moment of listening to the NBA on ABC crew, Jalen Rose, Sage Steele, and Doug Collins just stall for time and just find anything to talk about. And I, you know, I got to give them credit. They, they, handled, they handled it well. But it was a nice little 20-minute blackout for them. You know, nothing like the World Series. World Series was a little rough. We uh, didn't have much to work with, but they uh, made it work as well. But uh, these things happen. These things definitely happen. And you just look at all the different all the different things that were going on. And it's it's all just really, really funny to me that uh, the Grizzlies, you know, I, I got to give them credit for showing up. But, hey, when you lose like that, you lose. And that's that's really what it is. You know, and but one of the biggest questions that I had is that I have is um regarding Vince Carter is his career over because you know the guys played all these different years in the league the fact that he still was very viable option and the only option at one point for the Grizzlies this postseason it's it was cool to see it to at least see him get one last run but I I can't see him coming back that's just my opinion and uh, the guys that inside the NBA last night they uh, discussed it. And it, it was uh they actually had a lot of great opinion on it and I and I agree with uh, a lot of what they're saying. So I uh, definitely want to take a quick listen to uh this is uh Shaq, Ernie, Kenny, and Charles talking about Vince Carter is his career officially over. I think this is it for Vince. Thirty nine uh, years old. I I well, this is just my opinion. I, I hope Vince retires. Personally, because because he still is contributing. I think what happens when you get older. Well, I know firsthand. Ernie, you wake up one day and you can't play. But the thing is, is Shaq shaking his head like it's really weird. Oh, Vince, 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 Vince has been a great player for a long time. He's obviously going to be in the Hall of Fame, and he's having a he had a good solid year. But Ernie, when you one day you just wake up and you're just old and you just can't play a lick. And it happens in the middle of the season against a bunch of 25-year-old guys, and there's nothing you can do. So, to me, going out with that speech, uh, what you just saw, with Coach talking about him being a leader, and Vince coming and said, you know, I want to teach these young guys. You know, you, at some point, you just can't play anymore. Well, Vince said, Vince went on in his press conference to say that this would not be well, his it, last year. I, I, what fighter, what basketball player has not been thrown out the game? Uh, it, it's it's in his competitive nature is what got him to where he is. So the fact that he's still contributing, and the biggest thing about Vince, uh, and and I think Dwayne Wade is doing this as well, but but at a higher level, they've accepted their contribution. So there's certain guys who don't accept it. He's accepted <clears throat> his role, and I think that's the hardest part for a guy like Vince or Dwayne Wade, uh, even later on. But they both, to me, have accepted it the best and said, you know what, I'm cool with what I am and I'm cool with what I was. And a lot of people can't do that. Yeah. I, think, I think the way he plays, he probably still has one more year left. Because just think about it, if all the pieces were there, get double, he's a spot-up, standstill shooter, he can do that. You know, he's not going to be the old Vince going to the old Rosno people. But I think, you know, with him being a, a one more year, Vince. Sure, I think he can do one more year. And also, you have to understand, 
This is going to be an interesting year. The most interesting summer I've ever seen in the NBA because um, this this going to be crazy with all the free agencies. Things that's going to happen this summer. All these teams got all this money. Uh, Mike Conley, the most underrated point guard in the NBA, is a free agent. Uh, Hale just told me that. And I think you also is this, like, that team might not be any good next year. And I, I, would, I, I hate to see a guy's greatest events just playing on a team that's really uh, not going anywhere also. And that was uh, Charles Barkley's thought on that as well. And, you know, I agree. I mean, I like the fact that uh, he was still contributing and everything. But, you know, at this point, it's, it's over. And that's, that's rough to accept right there for a guy that's been so good for so long in Vince Carter. Uh, you remember him as, you know, half man, half amazing with the with the uh, Toronto Raptors and the stuff that he did for that franchise, even with the Nets, you know, his time with the Magic, his time with the Suns. But uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he, you know, considers it. And, like, I talked about guys like Kevin Garnett as well. Like, what what happens to them? Like, where do they go from here? That's the uh, biggest question for a lot of these guys. And And who knows? Who really knows what the deal is and, you know, how are they going to um, respond? How are they going to respond to this? That's the problem. How do they, do they respond to this change? Because it's such a huge change in everything that they're doing. And, and you, you want to you give, you know, your, your, your best as a player – and you don't want to leave out on a sour note. It's kind of back. This goes out of full circle what I was saying with Tom Brady with the legacy. You don't want your legacy to just be corrupted or for certain situations. And I feel as if this is one of those those deals that this could be it for him. And, you know, he has to accept that he's going to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And that's it. You just got to gotta move on. I, I see him as being a coach. He wants to be a, in broadcasting. I know he was talking about that on the uh, NBA on, in, I think it was the NBA All Star Special they had back in February. He was talking about being a coach. I mean, being a uh, commentator. I think he has more of an influence as a coach. That's just my opinion. I, I would personally like to see that. I think he brings so much to the game that it would be so much. It would be so helpful for him as a uh, as a coach and ambassador for the league. You know, kind of like most of these guys you see, like Matumbo and such, just be that ambassador. That's that's really what it, what it comes down to. Now, the biggest story, obviously, for all basketball fans was the, the injury. The big injury to Steph Curry was still weighing on the MRI results, but the early indications that is a sprained MCL that could require, you know, being out for maybe a week or two. It's not a... That's not a light injury. It's sprained. It's, it was a nasty little fall, but the Warriors, you know, they uh, they were able to overcome it and win a crucial game four. So just uh, take a quick listen to what they had to say in regards to that game. So it, it's still a... Uh, what was a telling sign that Steph wouldn't be able to go in the second half based uh, on what you saw? He he came out, uh, was sitting on the bench with about three minutes uh, to go, 
and uh, he was kind of gathering his thoughts. And uh, we had uh, talked with the doctors about just seeing how he felt, trying it out with a little warm-up session. He went out there, um, tried to move on it, and it wasn't right. He still wanted to play, um, and we wouldn't let him. And he, um, you know, he was, you saw, he was, I'm sure, he was very, very upset. And, I, you know, I just feel awful for him. Now, hopefully he's going to be okay before too long. We don't know, but um, I just feel so bad for him. I mean, he's been healthy all year long, and, you know, all of a sudden the playoffs start and uh, a couple of fluke things, and, and, uh, Feel bad for Steph, but uh, we got to move on. Uh, it didn't surprise me one bit that, that we played so well in the second half. Um, our guys play for each other. I think they were playing for Steph in the second half. We felt, oddly enough, pretty good about the first half. Um, you know, we played a, a beautiful about 10 minutes uh, um, of the first quarter, and the roof kind of caved in on us um, for a variety of reasons, and then it got real choppy and. Uh, everything was going their way, and um, to go in at halftime tied was, uh, in our minds, was a victory because we felt like we could get our rhythm back, and um, we obviously did. 38 assists, um, you know, 121 points. You know, we we liked our our groove, and then I thought, um, you know, Andre and Clay did a phenomenal job on on James, just trying to make everything difficult, and uh, you know, he didn't get to the line. I don't think at all in the second half. I may be wrong about that, but um, you know we stopped fouling him and we got the momentum. You know, with Steph going out, obviously you got to step everything up. And you know, I knew um, I felt like I was better in the first half, but I still didn't have the level of everything that I need to have. And so um, I knew in the third quarter that you know if we wanted to win that game, I had to turn it up a notch. And, you know, it didn't hurt that Monty Unis started talking to me like that was cool. So that kind of helped too. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Clippers were—I mean, the Clippers were up three-one on them. They ain't laying down. We got to come out in Houston. I mean, in uh, Oakland, and win this game. And it's not going to be easy. We know this is a very talented ball club who can get it going, who can get hot from three, who can do just about anything on the floor. Um, so. We got to come out and we got to take the game and know that it's not going to be easy. Know that Steph probably won't be playing and do what we got to do to win the game and, and bring the energy to Oracle. You know, we can't just come out and expect, oh, we're at home. It's done deal. No, that's not. You know, they've been in this position before and they prove otherwise. So we got to make sure we come out and get it done. This is a very pivotal game, obviously. You know, they had a chance to tie up the series. So um, great first half they played. I mean, and uh, we knew uh, those first five minutes were going to be crucial. If we can get out to a good run, um, get some stops, and get out on the break, we're going to have success. And that was, a, uh, that was probably the biggest part of the game. We went up 10-12 and didn't let our foot off the gas, and it's probably what propelled us to a win. We just got to look at you know Wednesday's game as a must-win because we really don't want to give them, come back here and give them life. I mean, um, they were in the same situation last year against the Clippers, so we can't, uh, we can't relax at all. You know, we have to put our guard up that much more and, and play, you know, that much harder because, you know, you can't give them, give them you know, life and let them feel like they can win the series. That was uh, Clay Thompson with the final thoughts there. And, you know, there's another part that was in that little medley for in terms of highlights or in terms of uh, interviews, I should say. 
that wasn't noted, and I feel like it has to be put out just because of the, how annoying some questions could be from the from the press. And you know, I, I like I said, I if I'm ever asking somebody a question, the goal is not to start an argument. You know, I, I understand you have to ask very evasive questions, but if you're asking just a dumb question that it's really 100% to get a reaction, and you know, we have we we live in this 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 time of hot takes. Not everything has to be a hot take. It, it has to be room for actual responsible journalism, and I, I feel like it's such a rare thing anymore. No one actually really does, you know, journalism. Like they, they just want to do like, okay, this is a big statement. Oh wow, let's expose this. Oh wow, that was said for this, and you don't expect for the players to always react professionally. We see that all the time. You see players fight back at the media for asking a question that they felt like was uh was just you know just not appropriate they would sometimes yell at people and here's an example of that we just heard from draymond green now draymond green also was asked a question during that same interview in regards to the flooding that was going on in houston and comparing the flooding his his uh his game comparing to the flooding that was going on in houston at the time and I felt like it was such an inappropriate question from the person who asked it. And apparently before, we didn't even know, Draymond Green was asked this question by the same guy before. And he didn't answer the question. So uh, Draymond addressed him as so. And guys, just take a listen. It's just the first time you're hearing this. Uh, Draymond, uh, here's an interesting question. So last year you visited us. Uh, game three, there no flood. You win. Game four, there was flood. You, you lose. And this year you visit us. Game three, there's a flood, you win. Game four, there's no flood, you, uh, uh, no, game three, three there's flood, you, you lose. Game four, there's uh, no flood, you win. Brother, so, you, you mean... asked me about the flood in practice the other day, you know, and I, um, I, I said I pray for the city of Houston because you don't want to see anyone go through that. I feel like you keep trying to get at, like, us hitting threes or something, and you're trying to get a controversial statement out of me, but you're not because I feel sorry for the people of Houston. People are losing their homes, losing their cars, losing their lives, losing loved ones, and you're trying to get a controversial statement out of me about the threes we're here. And I know what you're getting at, but you're not getting that out of me. It's, it sucks. If I was from Houston, I'd do anything I can to help the city out. And I'm sure some of those guys are going to do what they can to help the city out. And you saw a donation the other, other, the other night. Sucks. Stop trying to do that. That's not cool, man. You keep asking me the same question about this flood. These people are losing their lives, bro. Losing their homes. Don't ask me that no more. Cause it ain't cool. And you're not getting the statement you want out of me. That's not cool, man. Stop doing that. And that's honestly the best way to 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 respond to a guy like that. I just thought it was very rude for somebody to. Uh, to really ask questions about people losing their lives and comparing it to a basketball game. And uh, Draymond Green really put him in check. And I, hey, you know what? Appreciate it. It was well done. It was well-deserved. you got to put people in check on that. That was just insane. It's insane that people really sit down and think about things like that to say. So, once again, uh, Draymond Green, salute for that. Because that was, I just thought that was sickening to to even after all that was done 
you know people are suffering and you ask a question that is that has nothing to do with the sport, like something that was just trying to get him to say something bad. And yes, he did get his hot take out of it, but it wasn't a hot take that was going to make Draymond Green look like a, a bully or anything. You know, so I, I don't know who that reporter is, but you got to be smarter than that. That's just not that's not good journalism. I'm sorry. Do not support. I do not support something like that. Just don't you just don't do that. It's, you know, I, I don't know how how other ways I can really describe it. But uh, it was it was just terrible. Just terrible thing to do. The uh, other series that I do want to get into real quick, just to say the uh, Cavaliers picking up their sweep against against the uh, Pistons and uh, really doing a job, doing a number on them. And you got to like the effort that was put in by LeBron and company. They did what they were supposed to do. They had a Detroit team that was very game, that was really ready to go. And I thought was pushing them to their limits in each game. But uh, the Cavaliers proved why they're number one seed. They got hot with the right guys. Their role players played their roles. Uh, you know, I can't stress that enough. And the, the big three played like the big three. They can stay healthy. I, I like their chances to return to the finals now. At first, I was a little skeptical, but they uh, they definitely made a believer out of me. So, you know, just listen to what they had to say. This is Teron Lou, and then followed by the uh, big three giving their thoughts on the on the big series victory. Could you imagine going through this series without having Kyrie Irving at the level he played? And, and can you just speak to what he was able to give you all four games? I mean, he was big. I mean, he was huge, you know, and he was aggressive in attack mode the whole series, and that's what we needed from him. And, um, you know, like tonight, you know, Kevin didn't shoot the ball well, so, you know, Kyrie he took it on himself to score the basketball. LeBron did the same thing, and uh, it, was a, it was a total team effort. You know, I think Delhi came in and scored 11 straight points for us, so JR made some big shots, four threes in the first half, and then that big shot at the end of the uh, shot clock. So I thought it was a total team effort. I thought, you know, our guys, you know, we withstood their run and uh, weathered the storm. Each series is different. You know, you have defensive schemes that are going to be different from how we played um, Detroit. So um, everything is going to be different. You know, I thought the guys, you know, defensively to hold this team under 100 um, three times, you know, 90, 91, and then they had 98 tonight. So um, I thought our defense was, was good outside of the, um, the shooting percentage. But overall, I thought our guys did a great job. It was a physical series. It was a great series for us. And um, they tested us. We were able to get hit and keep moving forward. You know, and we've been we've been harping on that all season. You know, not to drop our head, not to have bad body language when team make runs. And um, in this series, we got down a lot. You know, every, every game I thought we was down, and we just kept pushing, kept moving forward. And um, that's that's the biggest growth of this team right now. Is just, you know, like you said, staying with it and not not giving in when things get tough. You know, from a from a competitive standpoint, I think it was very competitive. Um, I think if you look in between the games. Um, or you even look, uh, you see it as a sweep, but, you know, those games could have been, you know, they played well enough to beat us, you know. So, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to walk out of here tonight uh, winning a series. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, for me, I don't really get caught up into, you know, if the game was outside of basketball. Um, that's not who I am. It's not what I'm about. Um, you know, like I always tell you guys, the game is won in between the four lines and uh, we was able to take care of business. You know, whether it's getting steals or rebounds, just doing anything we possibly could to get this game. And, um, you know, in the second half, really want to get on the offensive glass, try to retain as many possessions as we could on that end and, you know, clean up as many as I could on, on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, rebound is something that can be constant for me when even when I have an off shooting night. That's what makes it fun. 
You know, it's just, you know, Kev grabs nine rebounds in the first quarter and doesn't particularly shoot that well. But his effect on the game is still there, and we still feel it as a team. And we're coming to the, to the bench, and, you know, we're, we're all still in it together and winning to win. And regardless of the score, we just have to handle business. And um, I've, I've gone on record saying it, that internally the only thing that matters is each other. Um, and I think that stands true to, to who we are as a team and, and what we continue to build on. So um, there's a long journey ahead, and, and we know the goals that are in front of us, and we know it's going to be one day at a time. And we have to take advantage of each day, and I think we continue to understand that. And um, we'll just continue to prepare, prepare, and um, get better as, as, as the playoffs go on. So We're not satisfied with what we've done, um, but we are happy where we are today. You know, being able to leave out of the series and knowing that we got 15 guys ready to go uh, for the series as it stands today, um, knowing the position that we put ourselves in today, uh, and knowing that what these guys have done when the cameras wasn't on, you know, the rehab that Kev and Kai has put together, you know, throughout the summer and throughout the whole season to get to this point is a tribute to, to themselves as individuals, um, you know, not the team, to them. You know, they wanted to get back and, and prove to themselves that they was worthy um, to be in this position once again. So um, I commend those guys to be even be in this position today. You know, it's a lot of guys that just don't come back from certain injuries, and these guys have come back stronger. Just a, uh, like I said, a great uh, effort by the Cavaliers to pick up the series win, and uh, they'll await the winner of the Celtics and Hawks that are going into a game five right now. So it's going to be a, that's going to be a, that's already a fun series between the Hawks and Celtics. Kind of picked up. I thought the Celtics were pretty much uh, dead at one point, but uh, big shots from Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart had a huge game, kind of uh, balanced out what Paul Millsap was putting together for the Hawks. And like I said, they just have a great series going there. So, Definitely something to look out for as well. But uh, I'm just going to wrap the show up. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, listening today. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, hit me up on Twitter at Ed Easton Jr. If you have any uh, comments, anything you want to say, make sure you uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, this is Sports Social with Ed Easton is on iTunes. So uh, definitely check that out. Also, SportsSocialPod.com. Yes, I, that's going to give it again. SportsSocialPod.com. Dot com for more information on the show as well as past episodes that is online as a part of keeping a real sports network so definitely check that out and until next time everybody this is ed easton here on soundcast fm gonna call it a day how about a little rick james as we call it a day we're out
me that stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me. Give me that stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to funk, that sweet, funky stuff. Hey. Yeah. 